Well, good morning, church. It's Easter Sunday, and we are excited to celebrate with you this morning. And if you are a guest with us, your first time joining us, my name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here at Salem Heights. And we are so thankful that you would join us as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we would love to connect with you and tell you more about our church. And so you can visit our website, SalemHeightsChurch.org, or you can send an email to firsttime at SalemHeightsChurch.org, and one of our church staff will reach out and connect with you and answer any questions you might have about our church. We know the last couple of weeks has been very challenging for our community and really for the whole world. We know that there might be some of you that are looking for prayer. And so if that is you, we would love to pray for you. And you can email us at prayer at salemheightschurch.org. And one of our staff will reach out to you and, and pray for that request. And we'll make sure that we are lifting you up in prayer. Well, we hope that you've gathered your family together and that you're going to join us now as we worship. Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Good morning, Salem Hiders, and anybody else who's watching. We're excited that you're with us today. This is the biggest celebration for Christians around the world, which is Easter, Jesus risen from the dead, our Savior, the one who has made a way for us to be in heaven with him and the Father. And so we are thankful that you're with us today. Uh, we look forward to doing this together, although we are apart, but doing this in one heart, with one heart together. Uh, we look forward to doing this uh, with you. You're going to notice today that we've got some of our other music team members that are going to be joining us and playing their instruments as a part of this worship set uh, but our desire was to be together and this is the best way we're going to be able to do this and so we look forward to doing this with you we're going to hear from God's word in a bit and then be able to take uh, communion together as well so it's going to be a meaningful time and we look forward to doing that with you so go ahead and bring your family on in and we're going to start by singing a couple songs here uh, to our great God
right now. This next part is how it happened, how he reached into our lives. So pay attention here.
Father, we are so thankful for this celebration today where we get to worship your son. We get to worship you. We know that our fate is sealed in your, in your son, and we're so thankful for that. We pray that you'd help us to grab a hold of that and, uh, and celebrate that today and give you the credit that you are due and your son the credit he's due. We look forward to looking into your word now and pray that uh, you'd open to our eyes uh, to the truth um, that you've um, done in our sight, and I would pray that um, it would sink in and that we would live different as a result. So we look forward to doing that as a church body today. I pray that you'd help us now. In Christ's name, amen. Well, welcome, Salem Heights, and all those who may be joining us online. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to do something 
special this morning. We're actually going to participate uh, in taking the Lord's table. Um, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper that we classically would do at church together as a family has been lifted as one part of a Passover meal has been imported and Jesus changed the meaning of those elements uh, to tell us that he had fulfilled those elements. He was the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. In order to be ready for that, we're asking you to go and, and make sure that you have uh, a cup of juice, but also some kind of a cracker. This is matzo bread. Uh, you can have uh, saltines or something along that line, but have that ready. And at the very end of the service, we don't want you to have to get up to go get ready. Uh, we want you to have those materials with you so you can reflect on that as we work through the message this morning. But have those sitting in front of you. We're going to pause right now if you need to and take time as you go collect those items and get ready to reflect on a risen Savior. Okay, with all of our items ready in front of us, I want to remind you of where we were last week. Last week, we took a look at the triumphal entry of Christ. And as he was coming into the city, there were shouts of Hosanna. And there were prophetic statements made in Psalm 118 that we reflected on and Christ's fulfillment of those. Uh, he had come in that moment, the day that the Lord had made, what the day of salvation was about to happen. Uh, the day that they were looking forward to and they were unaware of was the day that Christ would die, be buried, and rise again for their sins. So as he's coming in, that triumphal entry, all of this pageantry is happening, all of this excitement, and we reflected on what it was uh, that Christ uh, was doing in those moments. Now we fast forward to Friday night before Jesus went to the cross. In this moment, they're celebrating the Passover. Passover uh, was a celebration that had been built into uh, the Jewish mindset. It was built into Israel's activities by God. He had prescribed that they have this celebration, an ancient celebration that reminded them of a key victory uh, where God had set them free from bondage. They'd been in bondage in Egypt, and he had set them free. He saw their need. He saw what it was that was afflicting them, and he came with an answer. He had set his people free from bondage, and in this moment, uh, there's a fourfold pattern that happens. And I want you to see this morning this fourfold pattern that happened at Passover and that gets repeated this night that Jesus would go to the cross. A fourfold pattern that should impact us and cause us to celebrate today. That fourfold pattern is this. At Passover, God gave them a meal in order to prepare them for the night. Then judgment fell. Then victory was proclaimed. And then a memorial meal was instituted to help them remember what God had done. For 1,500 years, Jews would gather and they would celebrate this Passover and they would remember all of these stages. And whenever they would gather, they would get together and the entire Passover preparation started with a house cleaning. 
Can you imagine right now in our COVID quarantine what it would be like if we paused the video right now? We said before we can continue, the house has to be completely clean. They couldn't have any dust in the house. They couldn't have any leaven in the house. They would go through the entire place and dust it and clean it and sweep it in order to make sure it was perfectly clean because leaven was a picture, that that picture that would come into the New Testament as sin, it was a picture of impurity. Uh, They didn't want any of it inside the house. Now, as you can imagine, this was very tough for some of the kids to want to participate in. So it was generally on the back of a grandparent in the home Uh, They would have a little coin or some gift that they would give to whoever had collected the most dust or the most leaven. I don't know how they presented that to them, uh, but they would go through the entire house and make sure it was clean, and then they were ready. Then all the family would gather together, and they would read the scripture. There were many scriptures that they would read, but the centerpiece, the scripture that outlined for them the Passover meal four stages of the Passover meal that they celebrated even in Jesus' day. That key scripture is found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Here God says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And I will take you to be my people. I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Four statements there made by God. Four times he says, I will, I will, I will, would create four stages of the Passover Seder, that Passover meal that they would participate in. I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I will redeem you, and I will take you to be my people. It's a profound series of statements. I will bring you out. God is the one who saw their need, who saw the concern that was in their heart and saw their burden. He says, I will deliver you. I not only am going to see the thing and make a plan, but I actually am going to come as the deliverer. And I will redeem you. I'm not just going to deliver you and leave you as slaves, but I'm going to redeem you. This is the term used for a slave that was bought and now had standing as a good citizen. I'm not just going to bring you out of slavery and leave you in your brokenness. I'm going to take you out of that slavery and into a new reality. And I will take you to be my people. Literally, that passage was preparing them for going into a different kingdom, the promised land. He was preparing them to go into a place he had prepared for them. Now, throughout that meal, they would tell the story. And it's unique how they would do this. As part of the meal, a child was supposed to come ask the oldest male that was in the room as the head of the household, they were prescribed at a certain part of the meal to come up and say, what makes this night different than any other? And at that point, the elder statesman in the house would unpack for them the story of the Passover and why it's important. Let's take a moment and see a reflection given to us by children 
on why Passover is important. God's story, Passover. So part of God's story is about Passover, and it goes like this. It all started when the Israelites were stuck as slaves in Egypt. They were forced to work in fields and make bricks and mortar. Worse, the ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh, and the other people in charge didn't care if God's family was hot or tired or hungry or sad or hurt or just plain miserable. And they were. But even in the middle of all that, God's family grew. In fact, they got so big that Pharaoh was scared they might attack and overpower him. He made them work even harder to show them he was boss. Soon the Israelites were even more miserable. They begged God for help. Well, guess what? God saw what Pharaoh was doing to his family, and he didn't like it one bit. So he planned a rescue. He sent a man named Moses to lead God's family out of Egypt and into a brand new, beautiful home called the Promised Land. But when Moses told Pharaoh to let God's family leave, Pharaoh said no. Remember, Pharaoh thought he was the boss. The thing is, God is really in control, and even rulers of countries should obey him. So nine different times, God sent plagues to show Pharaoh his power. The plagues were like punishments to Egypt for keeping God's family as slaves. After each one, Moses asked Pharaoh to let God's family go, but Pharaoh kept saying no. Then Moses told Pharaoh that God loves his family so much that he will rescue them no matter how many times Pharaoh refused to obey. So there would be one more plague, one that would wipe out the oldest son in every house in Egypt. But of course, God had a special plan for his family. He told them to take their best lamb or young goat, kill it, and paint the blood on the doorframe. Then they should eat the meat with bitter herbs and some flat bread made without yeast called unleavened bread, which is cheap and can be made quickly. In fact, God asked his family to eat the whole meal as if they were ready to run right out the door with their shoes on and their walking sticks in hand. They obeyed. Good thing too, because that very night the angel of death came. But just like God promised, he passed over the houses with blood on the door. Finally, Pharaoh realized God was in charge and that God loved his family, and that Pharaoh couldn't stop God's rescue plan. He said God's family should get far away from Egypt. They left in a hurry. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after that, God's family celebrated the night God rescued them by eating unleavened bread, bitter herbs, and lamb. But that rescue was just a preview to the big rescue God had planned for the whole world. Remember, the ruler of this world, the devil, wants us to work for him and live bitter, sad lives, separated from God. And we all do wrong things sometimes and deserve to die as punishment. So God sent his very own son to earth. He lived the perfect life we should have lived and died the awful death we should have died. But three days after he died, Jesus came back to life. That means he got rid of death and it can't separate us from God anymore. And you know what? Right before Jesus died, he celebrated Passover one last time, but without the lamb. See, Jesus showed us that he is our lamb. And just like the lambs died so that the sons could stay with their families, Jesus died so that we can be part of God's family. One day he'll recreate a perfect home for us and it'll be even better than the promised land. And that's the story of Passover. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God's family was miserable. They begged God for help. God planned a rescue. Pharaoh said no. God showed his power. The oldest sons had to die. Lambs took their place. God rescued his family. They celebrated Passover. Death was our punishment too. God sent his son. He took our place. God rescued us. And that's a part of God's story. 
Did you hear what they said there just at the end? The storyline repeated. God in the Passover would set them free from bondage through a lamb. We come forward to the story of Jesus and once again, God sets us free from bondage through the sacrifice of the lamb. That lamb is Jesus. In this first picture that we have in the Old Testament, a question we have to answer this morning for the sake of this message is this. How did they know that God had set them free? Well, they knew they were set free because their firstborn son was alive. Throughout all of Egypt, as that judgment went out and death was throughout all of the land, all those who had placed their faith in God had put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. They were spared because of putting faith in God, because they'd put their, the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. How did they know they were set free? Their firstborn son was alive. How would they remember this? They would remember it with a meal. I want you to fast forward with me now, 1,500 years from that moment, from that first Passover, 1,500 years from the things that are reflected in the book of Exodus, to Jesus once again coming into Jerusalem, and now he is sitting down with his men. In uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 23, we see this pattern that we saw at the first Passover repeated. Once again, Jesus sits down with them and he has a meal to prepare them. He would tell them that judgment is about to fall, victory is about to be proclaimed, and a memorial meal is about to be set up so they would remember it, just like what had happened at Passover. He's excited to have this meal with them, and Luke Chapter 22, verse 7 starts off this way. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he'll show you a large upper room furnished, prepared, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as it had been told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not eat, uh, uh, will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. 
but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And he began, they began to question one another as to which of them could it be who was going to do this. Jesus says at the beginning of this that he had earnestly desired that there was great expectation, great anticipation of the day that he would be able to have this meal with his disciples. He was looking forward to sitting down with them and having a meal that would prepare them where he could take a few moments and explain to them what was about to happen. He was about to have victory over sin. He would prepare that meal. They would take it, and he told them there are certain elements within here. You've always looked at it as a Passover lamb. You've always looked at it as bread that was eaten in haste. But I tell you, it's my body for you. I'm telling you that blood that goes over the doorpost is actually a picture of my blood that will be shed tonight for you. He prepared them with a meal, and then, true to his word, judgment fell. Christ was nailed to the cross. He was beaten. He endured scorn. He went to the cross on our behalf. And that entire night has been related to us in all four of the Gospels. Christ died at the hands of the Romans, uh, at the accusation of the Jews, but he died because of our sin. All of us put him on the cross. It was God's will. God was the one who had him punished so that we could be set free. It is a significant moment. Christ died. Death came. But three days later, he rose from the grave. This is the great moment of victory. That death that was supposed to come to you and I had passed over you and I because Jesus died on our behalf. But he at the end of three days, rose from the grave. This is super important. John tells us of one of the, records for us one of the moments um, in Mary Magdalene's life that was so important. She was one of those who ran to the tomb and saw that it was empty. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, it says... Now it was the first day of the week, and Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran, and she went to Simon Peter, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, who is John, and they were going to the tomb, and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as of yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. And she wept. And she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, 
Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things. To her. Imagine that moment with us. Victory was being proclaimed. Just like in the Passover, the question that we have to answer is how do we know that God has set us free? Because the firstborn son is alive. Reflect with Mary at this moment. It was quiet when we approached the tomb. Days before, there was noise wherever we went. Crowds cheering, sometimes yelling. But now, in front of his tomb, just silence. I had gathered all my spices and oils intending to anoint the body. But when I got there, He was gone. Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, he rescued me. And I followed him ever since, all the way to his death. But there was the tomb, and it was empty. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned and there was a gardener, and I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus' body. But I recognized it was Jesus. (laughs) It was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice, and I knew him. I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me, shouting like an excited child. He did it! He did it! He he really did it! (laughs) To think that I had come to anoint a dead man, and I left with proof 
that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, sorrow, sin, definitely not death. I say that he is. I know who he is. Oh, I know who he is. He said that he would rise. And he most certainly is risen. He is the savior. He is. He is the one true God. <laughs>
home. join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts to participate in the Lord's table to close this service. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful uh, for an opportunity that, that we get to reflect on an ancient picture. Uh, 4,500 years ago, you institute the Passover to prepare our hearts to see Jesus. And at Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you instituted the Lord's Supper to remind us of what he did and to prepare us to see him again. I pray that right now as we take these elements, that we would be reminded of the great cost, the love, the sacrifice, but also, Father, that we would be reminded of the anticipation we're supposed to have. We will soon see him face to face. So as we take these elements, help us to take them with pure hearts and with an eager desire to reflect on your goodness, your grace, your salvation. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I would like you to do, folks, is to get those elements right in front of you, to be able to share them. Um, with each other when the time is appropriate. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's the classic passage that we read, and it guides us through this ordinance, the Lord's table. We will take each one of these elements. I want to remind you and those that are watching that these elements do not save you. Uh, they don't add to your salvation. Uh, they are a source of reflection. The benefit is, as we participate in these things, Jesus commanded us to do this in remembrance of him, to bring back to mind his death, burial, and resurrection, and to prepare our hearts in order to see him again. 
These are pictures of his body and of his blood that was shed for us. Let's read the scripture together. Paul says this in verse 23 of chapter 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The scripture continues and says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's give thanks. Father, we thank you that all around this city and in many various places, people along with us, even though we are in quarantine and separated from each other, we were able to participate in this Lord's table together. We thank you that you have made us one heart with you, that you've put one spirit within us, that you have united us even though uh, we can't see each other face to face right now. We praise you for the unity that you give. We praise you for the victory that you've given us. And we ask that you would help us to celebrate this victory that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. We are thankful, uh, Father, for these elements and the way that they help us reflect. But we also ask you that you would help us today to anticipate the soon return of Jesus, to be ready in season and out to share the gospel. Father, help us as your church to be found everywhere we go proclaiming your glory and your goodness. Help it to be written on our face so that when people see us, they ask the question, what is the reason for the hope that's in you? Father, as we take these elements and reflect and anticipate, help us now to walk it out in ways that bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Folks, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to sing one last song that will remind us the fact that uh, this earth is not our home, that this quarantine will not last. Someday we'll not only be together, but we are headed someday to be with Jesus forever. Join us as we sing.
Celebration. Have a wonderful time. We love you and we'll see you soon.